This morning's message is be anxious for nothing. So it's a verse many of you will be familiar with. You know the verse. Um, in fact, Nigel and Philippa, you know, they quoted it to me before the service when they asked what I was talking about. So um, well known, but I'm going to read this verse for you just before we start. And I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read it for you a couple of times. And what I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit is what phrase or word or what thing God wants you to notice about this verse? What is it for you that God wants to speak this morning? So I'm going to read it two times. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, please come and speak to us. You know, speak through your word. Open our ears to what you're saying to each of us. And I pray that you'd bring change in our lives this morning, that you would bring courage, as we've just heard. In Jesus' name, amen. So up until like mid-last year, I was reading through Soul Food, which is where you read the Bible in a year, and I did that three and a half years running just to get myself back into that habit of really reading the Word of God every single day. But yeah, partway through last year, I just really felt that I needed to slow down a little and just go deeper into the Word. And um, a book was recommended for me at a homeschooling retreat. It's probably more for the ladies, but you know, you could try um, if you're a man. It's called Sensible Shoes. And it's a fiction book, but it's it was pretty life-changing. So I highly recommend that um, you read it, Sensible Shoes, and forgotten the author. But um, there were a number of like spiritual practices in the book to really slow down. Yeah, and just linger in the word, maybe with a few words or phrases, and allow the Holy Spirit to take you on a journey. And so I was journaling um, kind of maybe before the end of the year or at the beginning of this year, and I was feeling pretty anxious. You know, there's a lot to be anxious about in this world if, if you let it. And at the same time, I was reading through Philippians. And so this verse really stood out to me. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. It's quite a shocking command, isn't it? It should shock us that it is possible to live in this world and be anxious for nothing. This is not a friendly place to live. You know, we have an enemy who would rather, quite frankly, that we weren't alive. He came to steal, kill, and destroy and then through a large range of mediums, every single day we're presented with what we should have, who we should be, what we need to be happy, what we should have achieved by now. And the message is be more, do more, get more. Just like Dan's verse this morning, you know, with that the two hands full and you're, you're not at all at peace. You know, it's a pitfall of this information age. There's too much information and it's making us anxious. And anxiety is a big problem today. And throughout the Bible, in lots of different ways, we're given the similar command. And I'll read you some other scriptures that say a similar thing in different words. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. 
Isaiah 41, 13, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. Matthew 6, 31, do not worry. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. So God commands us not to be anxious, not to be worried, fearful, frightened, dismayed, but instead to be at peace about everything. And when God commands something, he's not saying, oh, like, you know, it's kind of a good idea that you sort of do this sometimes. No, he's commanding us, do not be anxious and do not worry. So how is it possible? Like, honestly, sometimes this seems impossible, right? And even as I was preparing this message, I had to really fight for this peace because you've got to live what you preach, right? And so, you know, the truth is that probably each one of us has been anxious this week. You know, David said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He was having a bit of anxiety himself. But when God says nothing, he means nothing. He means do not, not about your marriage, your children, your health, your family, your finances, your job, your future, any circumstance around you. Nothing means nothing. Who's a fan of The Chosen? Yeah, I'm a Chosen fan as well. And I think for me, um, it's really moved me, the whole series. And as I look at the portrayal of Jesus... For me, I can see someone that lives without anxiety. I don't know if it's the same for you. You look at how he responds to people and to situations. He just responds without any anxiety. And in one of the um, episodes, I think it's in the recent season, Peter has had a fight with his wife. Obviously, this is fictional. It's not in the Bible. And Jesus arrives at his doorway, and Peter storms off. And, you know, the other disciples are like, oh, you know, should we go after him? And Jesus was just like, no, we've got a meeting to do. We've got this purpose. And he just didn't get um, flustered by things. And this also reminds me, as we read through the Gospels, that we have a high priest who faced what we faced. He faced all those things. And yet he didn't get anxious. So he can identify, us with, identify with us when we do. And so in today's passage... Paul tells us how it's possible to stop being anxious. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you through the steps. But imagine that every time you felt anxious, worried, or fearful, you were able to overcome that and experience peace. And because of Jesus, that is possible. And I want to get there more often this year. Who's with me? Yeah, I want to live there. So Paul wrote this letter to a church he'd planted in the city of Philippi. And these believers had done well at first. They were living by faith in Christ. They were loving each other, and they were advancing the gospel. But as time went on, two problems developed in the church. Some had become fearful because of persecution, and others had let disagreements produce division and lack of love. So Paul deals with this, these, both these topics. And then in chapter 4, he's bringing this book to an end, and he addresses the specific concern of anxiety. But I mean, you know, you can kind of identify with the Philippians. Imagine facing persecution. Not fun, right? To be anxious means to feel fear about a future scenario. It means there's something that could happen in the future that you really don't want to happen because it could cause pain or suffering or loss. And so the Philippians were probably concerned that persecution could mean they were discriminated against, bullied, or worse, they were concerned for their families, wives, children, and their businesses. But Paul still commanded them to not be anxious. 
Yeah, no, we live in this information age and there are lots of people who will tell you how not to worry, right? So I Googled it and I found these five steps. First step is breathe in, take deep breaths. The second one is relax, you know, just, just relax. Don't worry about it. Third one is let it out, tell someone. Fourth one is get moving, do what you enjoy most. And number five is find that silver lining. Now, I mean, we hear these and, you know, they're kind of helpful. It's good to exercise. It's good to tell a trusted friend and to breathe. Breathing's good. But, you know, um, they might distract you from your worry for a little bit. But these steps ignore God. We can't ignore God in this process of overcoming anxiety. So I'm going to give you some steps, what Paul has uh, said that we should do. And I'm going to go through them one at a time. So the first one is, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, supplication means to entreat someone in power for help or a favor or to plead humbly. So the first step in being anxious is not in planning or thinking things through or being positive or getting out for a walk or busying ourselves with things. It is prayer. And the phrase prayer and supplication is used 20 times in the Old Testament to describe prayer. It's talking about the posture of prayer, you know, coming to God with humility. And the words in everything speak to how often we can come to God in prayer, literally as many times as you need to or want to throughout your day. Every time we face anything, we can pray. This points to living a life of prayer. You know, it's so simple, right? But how often is our first step something else? You know, for example, if you hear about people being laid off at work, you know, is your first step to check a job website, update your CV, see what you can do to impress your boss? I mean, these are not bad things. It's good to have a plan. But we can't ignore God. God is in sovereign control over your life, over everything, and he cares so deeply about you. That's why our first step should always be to pray. And the second step tells us how to pray. It's with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is more than just thanking God for what he's provided for us materially. And those are good things we have. You know, all of us in this room will have a roof over our head, clothes on. I'm really glad you've got your clothes on. And we've got um, food in our stomachs. You know, so those are good things to thank God for, but an even higher form of thanksgiving or a deeper form of thanksgiving is thanking God for all that he promises to be to us in Christ. That's a greater blessing. So in Christ Jesus, these may be the most important words in these, in these two verses. And throughout his letters, Paul talks about being in Christ. He mentions it actually 84 times, how we are to live in Christ. So what does that mean, to live in Christ? Well, um, let's talk about the example of losing your job again. So what would it mean to focus on what you have in Christ in that situation? Well, you would know that he has so much love for you that he went to the cross. He has all the forgiveness you will ever need. He rejoices to do you good with all his heart and soul. And he has a loving and wise plan to do with your job, whether that means you keep it or you lose it. He has all the grace you need to endure whatever trials will come, and he will give you everything else you need in the meantime. Wisdom, strength, finances. So good, right? We have so much in Christ. 
We're declared righteous. We're justified, forgiven. We have access to wisdom, peace, strength. We have purpose and identity. So much more than just material blessings. So if you were to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for what you have in Christ, you could pray something like this. You could say, thank you, Lord, that I have Jesus as my Savior and that I'm completely forgiven of my sins and that you're rejoicing over me to do me good and you have a good plan for my life. Thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And that means you're in control of whether I keep my job or lose my job. And thank you that whatever happens, you will give me the grace I need, the wisdom I need, the strength I need, the finances I need. So when you turn to God with prayer and supplication and thank him for all he promises for you to be in Christ, the Holy Spirit will move your heart from being in your situation to in Christ. And then the third step is let your requests be made known to God. And we know that God knows what we need, but he loves it when we bring our requests to him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who acknowledge their need for God and depend on him. I think we're most fulfilled when we acknowledge that we're needy. It's not weakness. Humility is strength. You know, Jesus was so strong and yet so humble and he prayed constantly to his Father. So pray and let your requests be made known to God. I want you to think for a moment of um, someone that you delight in. It could be your wife or your child, um, a niece or nephew, mum or dad. Who do you delight in? How do you feel towards that person? You know, you want to hear about their day. You want to give them gifts, right? You want to bless them. So listen to this, Matthew 6, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to who? The holy, the righteous? No, to those who ask. To those who simply ask. And you think of that feeling that is multiplied with God, that feeling of you delighting in someone God delights in you so much more. And there's an exclamation mark after this verse. There's not many in the Bible exclamation marks, you know. And so it's so good to ask God for the little things and the big things. And we went away um, to the Coromandel. Um, and it, was, it wasn't great weather, but we prayed and we asked God to help us on our journey, on our trip. And so... Um, on the way there, we thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll stop in Thames for some lunch and some coffee. So we did. And then when I put my GPS back on, it had rerouted us along, like, the coast of Thames, if anyone knows that area, and up that scary mountain, right? I'd never driven that. But I was like, oh, that's weird. It's rerouted us. But we were totally calm, and we just followed the GPS. Now, about 20 minutes into our drive, I got a call from my sister, and she's like, oh, my goodness, someone's hit a power pole, you know, on the other on the other way that you go, and there's a one to two hour delay. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, and um, we were just calm and just peacefully enjoying our journey, and like, God doesn't love me more than my sister, but we just asked for his help. We asked him to help us find the best route there, and so what happens when we do these three steps? We see it in verse seven. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That's a promise for us. His peace will guard our hearts and minds. So what is the peace of God? 
It's a feeling of peace that comes into your heart supernaturally from God. You can't just choose this peace. You can't think your way into it. Those five steps from Google can't achieve this peace. It's only when you turn your heart towards God, thanking Him and asking Him, He will supernaturally fill your heart with peace. And it's a peace that surpasses understanding. That doesn't mean that we don't know why we have it. We do know why. It's just that this peace can't be explained by our circumstances. And what are we guarded from? From anxiety, from fear, from worry. When you pray this way, God will give you a peace that will protect you when Satan launches his darts of fear, worry, and anxiety against you. And being anxious for nothing is not a one-time change. It's actually a series of daily decisions that we need to make. It's a lifestyle that we need to choose to live. It does not come naturally. And so I've really been trying my best to put this into practice. Um, this is a bit of a strange story, and I hope it doesn't gross you out, but it just illustrates the, the point so well. So I'm talking about our travel again, and we have a, a nine-year-old son who gets car sick. And um, so we were... On the way there, he was totally fine to the Coromandel. And on the way back, uh, I don't know if it was because we were in a rush. We were in the cyclone in Fitianga while it was happening. So luckily, we were in a batch in a house on the Tuesday. But on the Wednesday morning, we were like, we need to get out of here because they're closing the roads. And the guy at the petrol station actually said, all the roads are closed. You can't get out. And Tassie's like, we're going. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're going. So, so we went. But pretty much as soon as we hit the road, Josiah started saying, Mom, I don't feel good. Oh, no. So, and, you know, we, we couldn't really stop because they were, they were closing the roads. And so we had to keep going. And we pulled over briefly a couple of times, you know, to let him breathe and things. But um, he wasn't feeling good. And, you know, as a mum, when your child is not feeling well, you don't feel great, right? You feel a little bit anxious. You're a little bit worried and concerned. Um, yeah, you don't like them to suffer. But, you know, I gave him the sick bag. We carry the sick bags in the car. You know, that's a pro tip for anybody is just get these sick bags. So I gave him one of those, and I thought, you know what? I've got a decision to make. I can spend the next however long it is until this food comes out because it's inevitably going to come out. Uh, you just know these things as a mum, and then you'll feel better. But, you know, I can spend the next 10 or 15 more, uh, minutes in anxiety and worry, or I can be at peace. I've done what I can. We gave him some ginger beer and some peppermint essential oil just to try and help his stomach. I gave him the sick bag. We'd done all we could. We prayed. And then I had a choice. You know, when you have a plan, you've done all you can, you then need to choose peace. And so I chose peace for the next 10 minutes. And then I heard the telltale noises of the food coming out. And then 30 seconds later, we were all good. We cleaned up back on the road and he was fine. You know, and I felt good about that. I was like, man, I won that one. I stayed at peace. <laughs> so we, you know, that's our life. When you've, when you've prayed, you've got the plan, you've done what you can, you have a choice. Are you going to live in peace or are you going to continue to worry? Talking to myself here too. Um, and just, you know, not before we close really, but few more points to make out of Matthew 6. We can't go far when we talk about worry without looking at Matthew 6. 
we know this passage of Scripture really well. It's the one that tells us, do not worry, for any of you who are wondering. But I'm going to read you this message, um, this verse, sorry, from the message version. So again, you can close your eyes. It's not coming up on the screen. But I just wanted to read it in a different version to bring some depth and difference to the verse. So, if you decide for God, this is from verse 26. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So good, right? So from this passage, we learn three things. The first thing is that worry is unnecessary. God looks after the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He will look after you. It's unnecessary to worry. The second thing we learn is it's unfruitful. It actually achieves nothing. Has anyone in this room managed to add any time or hours to their life? Nobody in the history of mankind has ever added even a minute to their life by worry. So it actually just wastes our time, wastes our headspace. And the third thing is it's unbecoming to a Christian. God says, no, the pagans, they do these things. They fuss and worry. We should be different. You know, we want to stand out in our world, in our workplace. And what's a point of difference a lot of the time? Our peace. And in this passage, he also speaks to our identity. He says, you are valuable to the Father. He speaks to our needs and says, they are seen. God knows what you need. And he speaks to our future and reminds us to live in the present because he's in charge of the future. I shared um, a message early December, I think, um, around Christmas, and I talked about the tool, which was also from the Sensible Shoes book, about the hands up, hands down. And I'll just share it again for people who weren't here, because it's, it's really a helpful way to pray. So if you're feeling anxious, 
you can put your hands out like this. Usually we pray, you know, with our hands the other way, but put your hands out and you list everything that is making you anxious, everything that you're concerned about and you're letting it go. So your hands are that way, laying it at God's feet and you turn your hands round and you receive everything that you need from God, everything that you need in Christ, his strength, his grace, his peace and wisdom. And as you feel that anxiety come back, put your hands around the other way, release it and let it go. So I'm just going to get the worship team up now. You know, trusting God in every situation shifts our worry into worship. And when we're not being unfruitful with that worry, when we're focusing on the right things, we can then devote our energy to the things of God and the people of God and experience His joy and pass it forward to others as we go. So I'm just going to take some time now and um, get you guys just to have a moment to lay those anxieties at God's feet. So if you all just want to close your eyes. I'm sure there will be a lot of things that have come up for you, things that are making you anxious at the moment. And so let's take some time right now and follow Paul's three steps. You can use the hands up, hands down prayer tool if it's helpful. So let's turn to him and pray. Thank him for all that he promises to be to us in Christ and make our requests known to him. Why don't you do that now?